Today on the podcast, we have a very special guest. She's a family and systemic consolation facilitator, founder of Mosaic the Movement, and creator of The Missing Link, my friend, Michelle Blechner. That one got emotional for me. <laughs> yeah. I um man, woo, I haven't done that one in a little while. <laughs> it was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, that's um that's based on very much heavily inspired by your meditations. You know, I know that uh when you first got into really full-fledged into this. It started by kind of doing guided meditations at your house. And I remember being sitting in your house, in your living room, during wintertime in South Florida, which is absolutely beautiful, the breeze going through in that beautiful apartment that you had, and just feeling like being at the right place for me and at the beginning of something very special. And like the breeze coming through and you could hear the ocean and your, you know, beautiful meditations with your beautiful accent, you know, just <laughs> having this kind of warm feeling. I, this, I'll get emotional about this and uh, I can't even talk about this, but during one of your meditations, uh, I can't talk about this. This is so hard. Um, my daughter came to us, came to me in one of my meditations. And you know, when my wife was, was, um, I didn't know how it gets so emotional about this. But um, uh, my daughter, in, in one, of her, one of your meditations, when my wife was pregnant with, with Tony, with our son, mm -hmm. um, she came up to me. And I remember, like, there's a specific place that I have with when I would do your meditations. And um, she came up to me and said, I'm Annabelle. I'm your daughter. And I knew at that place, I was like, I don't think we're having a daughter because she's not here yet. She's still on the other side. And uh, the, not here now, you know, and, and she came up to me. So um, I don't think I've ever told you that, but I wanted to say thank you. You know, that's, that's, uh, that was, I didn't know that we had started so emotional, but yeah. You're welcome. You. And I understand because I had yeah. the same experience when my daughter was pregnant with my grandson. Really? Yes. He came to talk to me and he say things that revealed to be exact after he was wow. born. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's always beautiful to have that incredible loving contact with uh, either someone that is not here yet or someone that has left. Because I was privileged to have both experiences and um, it's precious. So I can, I can understand your emotion. Yeah. And it's interesting because you remember me already facilitating consolation. But I remember you the first time I met you, um, which was when I was in the really infancy of my um, uh, of my collaboration with uh, Constellations. 
I had just a, a very little experience with um, a wonderful young lady, Natalie, that um, my daughter had uh, experienced and was so flabbergasted that she told me, Mom, jump on a plane, come, I, uh, I did something amazing. And um, she say, I healed you, I healed me. I mean, she was so funny. And I, uh, I did that. I jumped on a plane. I did this experience. I had Natalie coming a couple mm -hmm. of times. Her name is Natalie Bertel. She's yeah. a facilitator. And, and my first experience with uh, consolation, I had a coming because I already had a meditation circle. I had been a student of Abraham X for 40 years. So I had groups. I had already a little platform and I was starting my coaching, uh, um, my coaching activity that actually uh, came up because after being in business all my life, uh, in 2008, it was, uh, the economy went bad mm -hmm. and I had to close my business. So I had to reinvent myself. And I was 66 at the time, which is not the easiest thing to do, but I bless it every day yeah. because it's what took me, took me where I am now. And I remember that I found that someone was coming to um, Miami um, to teach Constellation, and it was Mark Wollen. And I went to the first time and met you. Yeah. And I, and I remember very well because it's Constellation with you, and, and I felt, this, I smell the cigar from Cuba. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I felt, I felt the... Um, a craziness of a, a mother that was schizophrenic, you know, and I was representing. I felt all those things, mm. and it, it was such an incredible thing. And I did not have my consolation that day. And at the end of the day, Mark said to me, um, tomorrow at 12, um, remind me, you'll have a consolation. And I say, okay. And I went home, and I become emotional. Each time I say that, is that I went to bed, I was exhausted, I was exhilarated, everything at the same time. And in the middle of the night, I got up and I had a portrait of my mother and I start sobbing. Mm. And I say, I realize that I did everything. I did it for you, I share with you, I rejected you, I merged with you. And I say, wow. This is really powerful. And the following day, I went and I told Mark, I said, look, this happened to me, um, so I want to do it. He said, no, no more. Yeah. You did your consolation by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're done. It's okay. Yeah. I remember that. I remember that very, very vividly. Yeah. 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 That was incredible. Yeah. And, and – um, At that constellation, my best friend was there, uh, Ricky Bouillon. I He, remember, Ricky absolutely, yeah. yes. And, and that was a, was a regular in my uh, yes. living room yeah. also, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And th that was, you know, kind of for me was like, you know, yeah, we, I've been involved with constellations for a while, and it's usually... I know, you were a veteran already yeah. of constellation. I mean, you, you met that in Romania, if I in have... In Romania, uh, yeah, yeah, we did the, the first... Of, yeah, yeah, and it was... 
it's such a women dominated, you know, kind of kind of yeah. world, you know, and it's and not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, exactly. Not anymore. Actually, yeah. in my recent, uh, um, but I should not say that because they did not know. They did not know. <laughs> they yeah, did not yeah. know. But it was a very good. Um, very good balance, um, and I thought I would be mainly men, yeah, because of the nature of the um, uh, of this uh, event, you know. And uh, interestingly enough, it was a good balance, yeah. which I love. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That that um for me was for many years I would be the only guy, and I would represent father, son, brother. You know, I'd be like <laughs> the honey yeah, the honey <laughs> You know, like the whole the all the male yeah, you know yeah. male energies of yeah. of constellations on a regular basis. And I always thought it was funny that you know the the median age and the sex was always. I was like, oh, okay, so this is something that people get into later in their life, and a, a certain kind of um you know energetic representation is part of this. And and I was, and then it was like. All these people, and then Ricky and I were, I think it was 10 years ago, so we were like in our late 20s, mm-hmm. and just kind of these two kids sitting there like, uh, <laughs> you know, and, going and, through this process. Yeah. I mean, when you were uh, exposed to Constellation, you must have been a kid. Oh, I was 24, mm-hmm. so I was very young. I had just gotten out of a... I even thought that you were younger than that. Yeah, I, I had gotten out of a... My mom had come up to me, and she was like... I did this work and I, I talk about this a lot and I was like, Oh, so my mom and my sister joined a cult and they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was just yeah. this punk kid, you know, in the military, just not, not understanding, not fully developed yet. And I did my first representation and then it just kind of snowballed yeah. from there. And for the longest time I was trying to figure out, I was like, okay, this is a spiritual thing, but I don't understand it. Where's the technical aspect of it? And then, you know, through Mark Wollen and, and, and Rupert Sheldrake found the technical side, which was... Yeah, and it's technology, really, yeah. you know, because yeah. it, it is a modality of uh, yeah. therapy. I mean, therapeutic philosophy, but uh, it is therapeutic, yeah. yeah. And, and that's the, you know, just kind of looking at it, back at it now, it's like, wow, it's like we've... Like they say in Abraham Hicks, birds of a feather flock together. And I built these beautiful, long-lasting mentor, mentee, you know, uh, familiar relationships with these people that I love so much. And you you being one of those people that I, that I feel like are my systemic family, you know, in some mm-hmm. capacity. Yeah. So just beautiful to see the 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 heights that you're reaching in, 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 this, in this work. I know that you recently did something with Tony Robbins, and I'd love to hear – Love to hear about that. Yeah, it was amazing, and um, and I had no expectation whatsoever, uh, only to be there and and do my stuff, you know, and whatever will be, it will create some kind of expansion for this work that I love so much, and um, and kind of uh, having some handicap because not only look, I'm going to be eighty in uh, in. Four months, and uh, tov. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, and uh, I mean, I have um, mobility issues, but even more uh, so because I was in an accident not too long ago. I was really handed, and uh, it was really a, a very big shock. So my legs were not working properly, but uh, it was wonderful because uh, not only they invited me, but they. Um, allow me to come with somebody to help me, which was oh, my wow. daughter. And it did a wonderful, wonderful, uh, it had a wonderful effect on her as well, which uh, 
Um, she is the one that took me there, and taking her there in something like this was really powerful, even for our relationship. And uh, our mother to daughter, our business relationship, our everything. So it's, it's, it was a great experience in a beautiful place, which uh, is always nice, <laughs> with an incredible, wonderful group mm. of souls. And, uh, you know, I mean, look, I, I knew Tony for a long time, not personally, but as uh, the wonderful motivational speaker he is. I, I made a joke and I told, I told him when he presented me on stage to this group, I said, you know, I must be psychic because you see this guy, I saw him when he was 25 and I say this guy's going to go far. <laughs> <laughs> so I must be psychic, you know. And uh, which is true. I mean, a friend of mine has say, look, I know you're interested by all this uh, stuff, you know, and uh, you're really converting me a little bit because he was a friend uh, of ours, a business associate of my husband. And um, he says, going to this guy, okay, I heard of him. And he's going to be in um, in New York. You want to come with me? And I say sure. And the rest is history. And I, you know, I was in the crowd uh, seven years ago with uh, date with Destiny. It was the last time that I was in the crowd with him. It was like um, amazing, amazing. And when um, by the wonderful, uh, um, beautiful universe that we live in, when you put out. You know, and I am a big, big believer in intention. My intention was never to say I want to be in Tony Robbins because I would say I cannot believe that. So it would not have been tangible. But um, my goal was to really globalize this work. Mm. And uh, this was uh, the reason why I create Mosaic at the time, you know, which was uh, Mosaic the Movement where... I invited uh, a lot of teachers from all over the world to come to Miami. It was Miami Organizational Systemic Approach for an international community. And the vision came to me um, back from uh, a trip to Slovenia where I went to, um, it was a world conference. And what was really amazing for me was that with, I think it was uh, uh, more than 100 people, um, maybe 200, I don't remember exactly the number, but it was nobody except the group that had come with me that was from the United States, except Ivan Pollitt, yeah. which um, I thought I was meeting for the first time. Actually, it was not. I had met him before, but I did not remember, he did not remember either. I had met him in Omega a couple of years previous to that. No, a few years previous to that, to something that Susie Tucker had organized because Bertelinger was supposed to come, and he didn't. Um, so Susie, who was one of my teachers, I mean, you know, I trained with Susie Tucker and Mark Woolen, which was the best experience I could have had because it was masculine and feminine energy yeah. to his best. So for me, it's the laser beam and the dancing yeah. star. It was, yeah. it was amazing. So uh, she organized quickly something in Omega, and Ivan was there at the time. Oh, wow. We found out later on. But when um, we were in Slovenia, 
only one of us were born in the United States. It was Jessica, and she mm. was born in the United States from uh, Argentinian parents, yeah. you know? So I said, how oh, can it be possible? It was nobody French either, except a lady that I had met in Miami and um, lived in Singapore, and I had told her about it, and she joined us there. So I said, we got to do something. Nobody from France, nobody from the United States. Those are my two countries. Yeah. I say, and Mosaic came to mind. So we mm. did it, and, um, and this was a great experience because um, – not only we had a few teachers coming here, the last one being Jan Jacob Stam, with whom I trained in systemic in the Netherlands. And um, after that was January 2020, pandemic. Yeah. But we quickly jumped in and we do it in Zoom. Yeah. Okay. And this is what was really the start of bringing it internationally. And then everybody went on it because Zoom was the incredible opportunity to make that possible. The fact that Constellation works on Zoom defies all logic. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that somebody can represent, uh, do such an accurate representation of somebody in your family system on, in real time in Australia in the middle of the night, you know, or at the, you know, 12 hours ahead with immediate um, just feedback and, and connection speaks to a incredible phenomenon that we're just now discovering. But this is what it is. It's yeah. phenomenon because it defies logic because systemic cannot be logical. Yeah. Okay. We know that it's not rational. It's, uh, you know, you see something um, with different lens and uh, it's really, and it's interesting because people originally think you have to be intuitive. And actually, it's the other way around, okay? The field makes you intuitive. It's not you being intuitive, being in the field. It's the other way around yeah. because it's a phenomenon. Yeah. You see? Yeah, for me, it's, um, it's like I just need to shut up. It is the the more I shut up, the more the information comes up, and that's it's like tuning a radio into the right frequency. It's like okay, boom, I'm right there, and getting out of my head. And it's like as as soon as I do that, the intuition comes out, and it's sure. like what um, after I I recently did a I did a couple sittings with the medicine, and after that, I have this phenomenon that happens to me that if some I'm talking to somebody, I have an age that pops in my head. And that age, it's like, what happened around this time during that age? And I'm like, I don't, oh my, it was, it's this, this happened. Yeah. And it's like, you should look at it. It's like, I don't know how it happens. I can't explain it. It's like facilitating. I have no idea why this, where it came from, but it just, it's this emergent sure. truth. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you see someone um, all of a sudden sitting down mm. and look like a child. So you know that something happened as a child, you yeah. know. Uh, and, um, you know, and using numerology, the beauty with constellation is that really every facilitator gets its own niche. Yeah. Because um, me, I use universal law, I use numerology, I use astrology, I use everything I like and I gather all my life, you know. Um, so I'm not going to facilitate the same way at 80 
that somebody's going to facilitate at 25. It doesn't yeah. make us good or bad or, or better or worse, but it's just who we are. Just different. So yeah. we're different people, and, and this is what I always um, loved about Ellinger, is his spirit of mm. saying every, I mean, many flowers will bloom, and this is what I see. And every time I see the work of a different facilitator, I say, oh, this is good. This yeah. is, and it makes me feel good to see the expansion, the expansion in, in my lifetime uh, from the time that I start, which was more than a decade ago, and, and today. So, and seeing this beautiful work, um, first when I enlarge to systemic, you know, from family constellation, and, and I remember when this happened, I got called to go to a, um, a workshop. Gunter Weber okay. was doing it in uh, upstate New York. It was convenient for me. I did it, and I say, wow, where can I do that more? And this is when he sent me to Slovenia. Mm. And this was actually the place where he announced his retirement. Oh, wow. Which was really a loss for the systemic work because it was amazing. And uh, and then from there, I remember being in uh, in Slovenia, and after the first day, Jan Jakobstam was organizing this, and I went and I said, where can I do more? He said, to my place. Here's my credit card. He said, I was like... Oh, wow. I, I became obsessed. Yeah. By doing more and more and more, I'm always been an eternal student. But systemic brought me really to my heightness uh, uh, in in this uh, department. You know. Yeah, yeah. that's um. You know, I, I was talking. I was having this conversation with my mom, and you know, I, I'm, um, you know, from a facilitator standpoint, not from a man, you know, vision, right, or from the the male lens. You know, my mom was telling me, "Is like, you know, women um, disappear in, 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 you know, older age, right? And I said, Mom, I think it's that women that don't connect with their spirituality disappear in old age, right? It's because, you know, men have experience of, like, technical experience, but women that are connected to the spirituality side have the experience of, of, of creation, you know, and I was like, and I, I use you as, as an example. It's like, look at how strong Michelle is and how impactful she is in her life because she's connected so deeply with that aspect of her life. And I was like, so powerful. And she was like, you're right. You know, she, she kind of, she was like, you're that, that's a really good point. It's like, because I think that, you know, like we were talking on the way over here, that trauma connects you from your true self. And the more disconnected you are from your true self, the more lost you are. Yeah. And what I see in you is a person that's deeply connected to who you really are, right? Because of that work and that uncovering the layers of trauma and connected to source as much as you 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 say that is and it's and it's evident. You can see that yeah. happening real time. And you know the thing is is that you don't know who comes first, the mm. chicken or the egg. Yeah. I mean that connection that I cultivate um, makes me more receptive to it. Yeah. But this reception makes me more, uh, you know, um, uh, heightening my uh, spirituality as well. It's like uh, a positive feedback loop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Wow, jeez, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and there's something else which we did not even talk about yet. 
not with you, that really um, has been something incredible in my life, is that a few months ago, I heard a word, and I catch words yes. like this. Yeah. The word was tachyon. Okay. And I say, what's that? And I start finding out and everything else. It's, it's happened to be a particle um, that was rediscovered, but it comes from the uh, Lemurian, Atlantis, etc. And the impact that Tachyon has on our life is amazing. I even open up in my own place in New York a chamber. Okay. Really? okay. Yes, it's uh, operational for two weeks now. Okay. And I want to tell you something. Uh, before that, I had gone, it was no one in New York. So I went to Connecticut with my daughter. We drove two and a half hours, did one hour session each, and then two and a half hours back. And that has changed my life because it manifests things at a speed that you have no idea. It travels faster than the speed of light. Mm. And it's amazing. There is, uh, you know, one in uh, Coral Gable, actually, really? which is run by my friend, uh, okay. Elena. And I will give you the contact. That it's would be in Coral Gable. Yeah. Um, I, you know, actually, I connected Sophie with it. I connect a lot really? of people, yes. And wow. it's absolutely amazing. And I attribute my coming to this event to Takeon. Because I always did intentions, you know, and I do believe intentions. Actually, oh, shit, I'm sorry. No worries. Oh, my God. I think we had a little bit of a technical difficulty, but we're back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're back, we're back, we're back. So, um, It's water under the bridge. (laughs) Water under the bridge, exactly. (laughs) So what is, um, do you think it's tapping into... That re- universal resource. That- yes, absolutely, and um, um, and actually, um, I felt immediately that it was like a, a subatomic um, um, energy, you know. Okay. And I felt that it was something to really counteract the nuclear energy. Okay. That's why I think it's coming back to the surface. This is my personal uh, take on it. Oh, wow. But uh, it's really a very, very interesting thing. So just an aparte in these things, but I think it's important because it's going to make a lot of difference in everything. And in Constellation, I can feel the power that this has. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you know, for example... um, this is kind of. Do you want to go sliding. on the top? I don't know. You want to go like this? Oh, maybe yeah. I have to put it. Okay. Yeah, or go like this. Just like take it off and then yeah, go okay. all the way over. Yeah, yeah there you I think go. It's good. Yeah. So, no, it's not good. Okay. There you go. Yeah, there you go. That's okay, going to be better. Yeah. This is better. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's interesting because actually last night doing my first group in Miami for after a while, um, it, was, uh, it was a large group. And uh, the room was very long. And actually, I'm doing a, a, another group in that place tomorrow, and I'm going to change the position because um, it was just like this, and it was very, very long. And... Because of my lack of mobility, uh, I could not see everybody Mm. in the field. So I had to call on 
my feeling more. So I could not see them, but I could feel them. And oh, I call wow. on Takyon to do that because uh, it's something that I did not experience before because, you know, I don't do that many groups in person anymore, you know. I did it over there, in the, but I was on stage. You know, it's different uh, dynamic, but like this. And I think that this allowed me to shift from seeing to feeling. Oh, wow. And um, my, one of my intentions is always to see in the unseen what the universe chose to see, to, for me to see. But in that, it kind of manifests hundredfolds. Wow. Yeah, that's, um, that's the, the beauty of the constellation is like seeing the unseen. Yes. You know, it's like that, like seeing the stuff that you don't see there and what ends up happening is like, <laughs> this is, I've seen you do this a hundred times. You know, somebody's doing their intake, their interview is like, and for people that don't understand what constellations are, it's literally somebody. It's a circle of people that are that are all sitting in a in basically like a AA meeting circle or an Al Anon circle. And there's somebody that's a facilitator, and Michelle is a brilliant facilitator. And there's a client, and the person sitting there does an intake, and that intake is some questions, and that depending on the person goes from some cases not speaking at all, and in some cases the person having verbal diarrhea, let's just call it that way, <laughs> you know, that they, and so I've seen it be like, they're almost covering what's actually happening with words and actions and like, no, but, or blame or, you know, and then, you know, I've seen you brilliantly do this. It's like, you it was like, oh, let's just see what happens. It's like, it gets really quiet. And then a truth emerges. And then you start pulling that in truth out, and you can you could even hear it, us kind of doing it right now, where you just just got quiet. It's like what happens in that space, and then that space information is pulled out. It's like what an incredible phenomenon, <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So how um, what what was the what was your life like before? you know, kind of constellations. How were, how did you become this seeker, you know, trying to a spiritual seeker? Like what, what led you to this place? Okay. Uh, what led me to me to this place is that, okay, I was born during the war in, uh, in France, which was occupied. Uh, my family is um, mainly Jewish. Uh, I have one grandmother that was not. But otherwise, uh, all my grandparents were from uh, uh, different places. My, uh, my father and mother were both born in France, but uh, my father's parents came from Turkey. Okay. And they were Sephardic Jews that probably were chased from Spain or Italy because I found a lot of, um, uh, when I did my Ancestry.com, find a lot of Italian, which now I understand why I love so much Italy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, and very little Spain, actually. Uh, and my mother's father was Russian. Okay. So Eskenaz, you know. So <clears throat> my family got very, um, very uh, hurt mm. by the war. Okay. For many reasons. Not just the fact that they were Jewish, because my grandmother's 
um, place, my grandmother was not Jewish, a place was bombed by the Americans because oh, wow. it was a, a factory, a home factory ammunition in our neighborhood. <laughs> and um, my mother's younger sister, who had just gotten married and was pregnant, she was 18 and a half, she died in a bombing <sighs> with an unborn baby. They tried to save her and could not. So um, beside that, there's some very interesting uh, phenomenological uh, date and mark in my, uh, in my history because my parents got married July 16, 1942. And that date oh, is wow. a very historical date. I don't know if you're aware of uh, something called La Rafle, which was the gathering where um, they took all the Jews that they could find, they put it in a place called Veldiv. Uh, for three days, a lot of them died because they did not give food or bathroom or anything. Oh. And then the one that survived, they took, him, they took them to Auschwitz, and they never came back because it was very early on. Yeah. So what happened is that one of my mother, uncle, lived in Paris, and... Uh, he was going to the wedding, but his wife did not want to go um, because she felt it was dangerous to cross friends at that time. And that's so, the middle of the war. I mean, that's middle, yeah, middle, yeah, middle yeah. of the war, yeah. And uh, so she said, no, I'm staying here with the children. So my uncle went to the wedding and survived. And his wife and children got taken and killed. Oh. Okay? So this was the day of my parents' wedding. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so uh, both the most beautiful moment and the most tragic, tragic moment. moment. Yes. Okay. So that was the start <sighs> of my, because you know, as uh, you know, in um, consolation, we learn that um, we learn something that is scientifically recognized because I'm not talking. This is Bruce Lipton, you know, um, Bruce Lipton in his book, Biology of Beliefs, explained that when your mother was an embryo of five months in the belly of your grandmother, the egg that will be you is already there, mm. the stem cells. And this carry a lot of things. We're not going to get into that. I did a, another podcast recently where I tell about the story, but we're not going to go there. Um the, so what happened is, actually, since I have 20 years older difference with my mother, exactly, she, was, uh, she had a birthday in the hospital after I was born, like three or four days later. So I'm 20 years apart with my mother, and I'm going to be 80. Actually, I'm going to be 100 years old in this yeah. earth. Yeah. You see? So not only I lived through... Um, World War II, but um, I was uh, in the womb with my mother in 1922. Wow. So just after World War One. Yeah. And all the things that he entails, you know, because of what happened in France at that time, yeah. and especially persecution, oh, yeah. okay? Persecution of most of my family. Because my father ended up going to Auschwitz, my grandfather to Birkenwald, and uh, all that is in my DNA. 
<sighs> and we're talking about, you know, uh, epigenetic. Yeah, yeah. epigenetic. So um, it's not just yeah. uh, the blood; it's whatever yeah. was going on around. Yeah. You see, so um, all that to tell you that uh, actually um, I've been living all those traumatic event yeah. through and my survival mechanism because as you know there is three survival mechanics in the system okay so we don't talk we never talked too much about my grandmother's loss during the mm. war of a child because it was too painful yeah okay we don't talk about um, people that are rejected from the system because it's too shameful, you yeah. know, people that have done things that are not right. Or, uh, you know, I mean, my father, for example, was, um, he was uh, sent to Auschwitz because one of his friends saw the opportunity to get money. They were getting money to denounce uh -huh. Jews. And they did not know. He, yeah. he certainly did not know that he was going to go to a place where he might starve to death or, or things like that. Um, but the thing is, he owned him money. He was getting money. It was a good opportunity, you know? Mm. Uh, so all those things, you see, that are part of the system. When my father came back, I was uh, two and a half year old. So was, your father... My father was, uh, was uh, sent to concentration camp and he survived. He came back, he oh was 70 God. pounds. I mean, he was, uh, it was uh, really... And you and your mother had been, been able to escape in some capacity or... My mother was hiding me. I mean, my main name was Cohen, so it was difficult to really... Oh, yeah. We went into different names. I mean, there was a lot of different um, hiding. and Oh, my god! It was, it was a nightmare for my mother. She was 21, and she had her mother in a hospital for one year. She lost her sister. Her father was, uh, you know, in jail, mm. and uh, her husband also. I mean, it was terrible, and all... Because my grandmother was not Jewish, uh, money, uh, jewelry, everything was hidden in my grandmother, and then it was under the the, the crumble of the uh, uh, the uh, bombing. Yeah. Okay. So what happened is that I put a label on me of survivor, mm. and as we know, label are really a killer because you see, I um. I was very, very interestingly enough, I became spiritual because religion was not really um, part of my family. My, I mean, my father came back. Could imagine why, right? <laughs> when he came back, he said, God doesn't exist. Yeah. He could not yeah. allow yeah. things like yeah. that. Uh, my grandmother was very religious, Catholic, so I would go to church with her to put candles, you know, whatever. Um, we went to temple for Yom Kippur or, you know, things like that because my aunt was following the traditions. So I had no religion. I had nothing to yeah. really hang on to. And I was scared to death, scared to death about death and everything else. And what happened to me around the time I was um, in my late 30s, I had a couple of very strong psychic experiences. Um, 
I was spending some time in Florida at the time. I lived in New York, but I was in Florida. And I woke up six o'clock in the morning and I told my husband, oh my God, my grandmother passed away. He said, what are you talking about? I said, no, I just saw. Mm. He said, you had a bad dream. I said, no, I'm telling you, she gave me the message. She was beautiful. She was happy. And I know she died. I called my mother in France and she had died exactly at that time. And then I had another experience where my father was very sick. Uh, he was young. He was 60 at the time. He was very, very sick. We knew he would not make it. I stayed with him, and then I had to come back. I had, I had a kid. I had a store. I had my husband. I had to come back, and a few days later, my brother called me, and he said, that is in a coma. You got to come. So I just left, and I got there, but too late. And that night... I slept in, he died in a hospital. I slept in my mother's um, room because they had separate beds. And I did not sleep in the guest room. I was in my father's bed. And six o'clock in the morning, the, the bell rang. My mother um, was in the kitchen. And I saw my father, the same way I see you, okay, at the foot of the bed. And he spoke to me. And he says something to me. He said, when they came to get me, I was agitated. But now I'm okay. And he, he did that and he disappeared. So I say, oh, my God, what is that? So I got up, went to my mother, and I say, who rang the bell? And she said, I don't know. When I opened the door, there was nobody there. And this was a start for me because that minute I found myself seeking. And I say, I got to find out what's going on here, okay? And I will not tell my mother because I did not want to spook her out. But on the way to going to arrange the funeral, she said to me, you know, your father was full of shit because he always say, you know, I'm not afraid of death. I mean, for me, da, da. and she said, you know what? Just before he died, he was going crazy. He wanted me to hide him. He wanted... And then I told her. So I understood why he came to give me the message to reassure her. Do you see? I say, it's fine now. And as soon as I got back to the United States, I start seeking. And I talk to people, and I, you know, and I start working with everybody on a book that you can imagine about past life, Brian Weiss, uh, Wendy Dyer. Uh, I was exposed to Abraham Hicks. Mm. It was really the beginning. I went to their first meeting in New York. We were 25 people. And so I start understanding. And the thing with consolation is that I became a great manifester because I knew the laws, I applied intention. But sometimes, somehow, it will go down and ooh, I will resurrect. It's exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting. So I say, this is crazy. Why? I've been such a good student and everything else. And you know what? This is when I was exposed to consolation. And as you know, I call it my missing link. Yeah. Yeah. The missing link, yeah. The missing link. The evolutionary force. Exactly. Yeah. I understood the unconscious is more powerful than the conscious. I realized in my first consolation, seeing all those people laying down on the floor 
you know, and my representative crying and embracing them. And I say, what's all about, you know? And I understood that actually it was all the children from the Holocaust <sighs> that had died when I did not. Yeah. And I realized that minute that I had to do something about. Mm. And this is why I'm doing this work, in the honor of the people that could not make it. <sighs> because there's always a reason. It's, it's such, you know, synchronistic that the story of your origin comes back to this German man that created this work. Yeah. That, you know, it's like I know for people that are Holocaust survivors or that come from that lineage, how difficult it is to, to be disloyal to their family system and, and be the brave ones that heal that, that system and, you know, go to Germany in some many cases with Bert and Sophie and, you know, go to, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll get into, into the poem here because I think it's so synchronistic that we're having this conversation is that especially on veterans day, you know, it's, it's yeah. veterans day and Charlie and your yes. husband was a veteran yeah. and world war two and, and, and he how passed away on the 12th of November. Yeah. Um, it was very interesting because the day after veterans day, um, of 2018 yeah. was his, yeah, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just so, so synchronistic that, that, that your life has had this journey that, you know, is coming full circle and out of like what we were talking about on the way over here, it's like out of the ashes of trauma, these beautiful things come out of it. You know, it's yeah. like, it's, it's so, yeah. so powerful. And, and every iteration of us gets a little bit better, you know, yeah, yeah. can I read the poem? Sure. Sure. So, and, th- But I, something that I want to say is that my father uh, was amazing for that because he never, never condemned the Germans people. He, wow. he, he say that he saw them suffering and actually what he was uh, um, deploring is that the politics, the, uh, uh, the, and even when we people will talk about you know, Nazism and everything else. And he said those people, they were hurt people that mm. were hurting people. Yeah. Then that's that's the, um, you know, through our conversations and, you know, everything that I've been exposed to, the, the, the cycle of the victim-perpetrator is so dangerous. And the humiliation of a, of a victim can turn into atrocities of, of perpetratorship. Yeah. And it's interesting because... Uh, you're talking about humiliation. When uh, um, I found out, actually recently, because I'm not, I, I always were kind of revolted by tattoos, okay? I don't like tattoos. And when my daughter was young and people were, I say, one thing I'm asking you is don't get a tattoo. And at one point in consultation, I realized that my distaste, his lack of tattoo came from the fact that I saw growing up my father with his number on his arms, yeah, you know. And, um, and then, because I don't know much about religion, I found out that they did it purposely, the tattoo, to desacralize the bodies of the Jews. Because he, in the Jewish religion, they say that if you... 
um, do something to your body, you know, yeah. like a tattoo or, or piercing or whatever, then you're not allowed to be buried. Yes. In the Jewish cemetery. Yeah, yeah, which I did not know. Yeah. And I say, oh my God, now I realize all this thing, all this resistance that I had for it. So it healed me because now I don't care. <laughs> I, I, I know that that is a big thing in the, in the Jewish community yeah. about, about that. And I can completely understand it. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's reasonable, you know, in, in some capacity. And the, you know, I, I was recently listening to a podcast that talks about World War One, right? And then like out of this, this, it's just like, that's why humiliation is so dangerous. It's like you humiliate a people and they will come back with a vengeance mm-hmm. and create, you know, these genocidal atrocities. And it's like, how do we heal the victim-perpetrator dynamic so uh, it doesn't, we make it less and not happening again? Hitler was the abused child. Yeah. You see? Yeah. And this is what it's all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, Carl Jung, I, and I say this a lot, is like Carl Jung said that um, Hitler was the voice of seven, 78 million the collective unconscious of 78 million Germans mm-hmm. is that the crowd had Hitler as much as Hitler had the crowd. It's like, you can't have like um, you can't have those atrocities unless you have the systemic momentum to work in that favor. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that I can, I think that brings me to the poem, right? Yeah. It's like the poem is, and um, thank you for giving me permission to do this because I think it's um, it speaks of how much, how much healing there's there's happened and the a little bit of the context is that um Bert Hellinger was German mm-hmm. um and of that era and he writes a poem and he's the the kind of creator of he's the creator of the father of of family constellations mm-hmm. and he writes a poem to Hitler and I'm going to read that poem now yeah and remember that uh, um Ellinger's brother died during the war. Ellinger was 14 when he lost his brother. Mm. Yeah. Hitler, I look upon you as a human being, just like me, with a father, with a mother, and with a definite destiny. Are you therefore superior to me, or are you inferior? Are you better than me, or worse than me? If you're superior, then so am I. If you're inferior, then so am I. If you're better than me, or worse then I am that too. For I am a human being just like you. If I were to respect you, then I respect myself. If I detest you, then I detest myself. Dare I love you? Am I obliged to love you? Because if I don't, then how could I be allowed to love myself? If I acknowledge that you are human, just like me, then I must look at something that created both of us equally. Something that created you as well as me something that even determines how we are both destroyed. How could I possibly exclude myself from the, our common ultimate source, all while I'm excluding you? How could I ever blame this ultimate cause and rise myself so above, our, above it as long as I am blaming you? Yet I dare not pity you. The ultimate cause of your rise and fall is no different than mine. I honor it in you as I honor it in myself. And I surrender to everything it's created in you. Oh, this is hard. <sighs> and to everything it's created in me, as well as to all it's created in every other human being. Bert Hellinger, Guttenstack, page 2247, translated by Thomas Mellon. 
Yes, yes. <sighs> and um, you see, Rumi said, behind the realm of right and wrong, there is a field. Mm. I meet you there. Yeah. And it's exactly that, because we have to go beyond the polarity. And in Constellation, I had one of the most beautiful experiences in the Netherlands, because I had, um, I had an experience that was uh, amazing. One night, in the middle of the night, I got a phone call from the United States, um, there was six hour difference, so it was really the middle of the night, and I was tired and everything. And it was a client telling me that uh, she was going to kill her parents. Oh. So imagine you wake up in the middle of the night, you are in these kind of things. And I, to make a long story short, I did not know what to do. I said, if I call the police, I mean, you know, if I call a lawyer, is going to tell me to call the police. Everything. I was like tormented to the end. Until I was calling her, she was calling me. I was trying to calm her down and everything else. And finally, um, I woke up or get up. And I was staying in an Airbnb because it was in the middle of nowhere there. And one of the people that were staying there was a, um, a therapist. And I said, oh, I had a terrible night. And I told everyone there what happened to me. And she say, oh, she say." Um, you know, sometimes you have clients because it's just, yeah, she just called me that she gave flowers to her parents now or whatever. And uh, I say, but you know, I can't take it because <sighs> it's not the first time that it happened to me. And I told a story about this young man that I told you about in the car yeah. uh, where I was like uh, uh, agitated and I want to tell somebody because I, and it happened. And I, and I was thinking of... Uh, um, one uh, a crazy lover of my brother had stabbed him in the stomach and everything. And she said, huh, I see. So it's a pattern. Mm. And I say, what are you talking about? Oh I got God. mad, you know, because yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah. And then I say, oh, my God, you fucking right. <laughs> okay? It's, yeah. It happened to me so many times. So the universe is amazing, Okay. We get there, we get dressed, and I'm, we go into the class that morning, and Jan Jacob say, okay, today we're going to talk about the victim and the perpetrator. Mm. Who wants, who is a volunteer? <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, out of the 30 yeah. people that are there, I might raise my hand, it's like 10 people, and it goes right to Michelle. Okay. And the conversation was amazing. And the essence of it is that he creates three lines. Mm. And the first lines were the victim. And I had to embrace each one of them and say, I understand you because I'm one of you. And this is what gives me my compassion. And makes me good at what I do. And then I had to embrace all the perpetrator. Mm. And I say, I'm one of you. And I am grateful to you. Because this is what gives me my determination. Yeah. 
And then I had to go beyond, you see, beyond the polarity and say, in your honor, I will let go of all judgment. Wow. You see? Mm. Because we all, you know, I laugh when people say, this one is bipolar. We're all bipolar because we live in a universal polarity. (laughs) So we have to just really embrace all of it to be able to live without judgment. That's um, one of my friends was talking about carrying things lightly. And it's, it's, you know, that, um, you know, one of my first teachers in the consolation world was like, judgment creates rigidity. When you judge somebody, it solidifies your position with that person or that dynamic or whatever that is. And you can't move from there. You're, you're eternally tethered to that as long as that judgment exists. Yeah, you're screwed. But if you have opinion, opinion is fluid. Mm-hmm. You can see things from a different perspective. You can get close or you can get far away and you can carry it like an egg rather than carrying it like a, like a bat, mm-hmm. you know, like, or like a stick. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it seems that the more we judge something, the more entangled we are with it. And the more through righteous, you know, this righteous divine justification, we will commit atrocities. It's the pushing against that is like the boomerang comes yeah. back to you. Yeah. And, um, and it's very, very challenging for people to grasp that. Mm. I mean, they, they, they understand with their mind, but then to really becoming it, yeah. it's challenging, you see? So at one of the, so when Jan Jacob Stam was here, was like, there was somebody at the, at the workshop that asked him, you know, what are you working on? Or something like that. And he stood there, you know, very elegant and stoic how he is, you know, the very tall, slender man, kind of with his hand on his chin and said, what it really means to assume responsibility. And that hit me like a lightning bolt. Because if I'm in a position that I can assume responsibility and like, and and I've taken this from you, it's my ability to respond. Yeah. My response ability, yes. my ability to respond, mm-hmm. I can change yeah. my world. Of course. And I'm not fractured or I'm not held by the judgment of whatever happened. It's like, what, like that hit me. Like that was a, a, yeah. a paradigm shift for me. Sure. You know, sure. it was so powerful to say what it really is to assume responsibility. And I think that people that identify, and I think in, in going back to Nazi Germany, it was a complete and other absolution of responsibility. It was to say, I'm so hurt that I can justify whatever that, that I can justify atrocities through these means. And the end of that, and the most vile expression of that is police officers that weren't part of the Hitler youth taking women out, pregnant women out, and shooting them in fields. You know, it's just the, the, the most atrocious thing. But also the most beautiful thing that you hear you know, um, moments of, of beauty that like Nazi guards would hide a girl or, or, you know, hide a child and, and, and take care of, or some, you know, there's some humanity. We're we're all of the above. Yeah. My mother found both because uh, she would go, uh, when my father was arrested, she would go to the Gestapo uh, headquarters there to talk. And one German told her, don't come anymore. (sighs) You know, he said, 
stay away. I mean, she was 20 years old. <sighs> you see, she was a child. And she had to, she said, I want to talk to my husband. I want to say, don't come anymore, please. <sighs> say, I won't be able to do anything for you. <sighs> so it was humanity. Yeah. Because humanity is always there. It's all the above. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, um, you know, I think that our our the the work of you know constellation and stuff is just to to take the intensity out of, out of the systemic momentum. Yeah, you know, it's that ebb and flow that it's not as chaotic. And you know, I I, I recently wrote an article about the victim and the perpetrators, like you know, just to make the the engine that that moves us forward less chaotic. And just take you know, there's always there's there's always going to be a victim and a perpetrator, but it doesn't have to be, you know genocide and 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 you know an absolution it doesn't have to be those that dichotomy it can be somebody's an asshole today and the other person is like yeah you always sure. treat me like an asshole and then they can figure it out and then it be a little bit better every day you know and we see that this uh, dynamic of victim and perpetrator so many times just in relationships yeah. where people yeah, yeah. play each other game okay yeah. and uh, they don't realize but they what they're doing is that uh, uh, working for the system. Yeah. Okay. Working yeah. to free the system of that, yeah. and sometimes it takes longer than others. I mean. So I know in my life I've been a victim and a perpetrator. I've sure. identified with both and yeah. profoundly identified with both, and I talk about that. And, um, you know, I, I remember a constellation that we did at your house. And um, I won't go into specifics about the constellation. I'll just go in specifics about my my representation. And I represented. I was all in black, so I was wearing black jeans and a black t shirt. And you asked me, "Hey, could you represent the perpetrator?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll be happy to." I'm like, I usually represent stuff. And the person that I did my first constellation, the first representation, the person was representing a population that had been victimized. And, you know, the person looking at me was like, how could you? Like the, the, the sense of judgment that was coming through was so profound. And my stance as a representative was like representing the perpetrators. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? You need me as much as I need you. Like, we're the same. Like, who do you think that we're doing this thing for? And then I did the same. And it was like the same dynamic in three different constellations. So, like, what the lesson that I learned from that was it's the yin and the yang of the di of the of the system of that dynamic the victim needs the perpetrator as much as the perpetrator needs the victim sure i mean they complete each other yeah what uh, was in you remind me of something else and i don't know if you were in that constellation but it was very interesting we did a constellation that was completely blind no one knew who they were uh it was asked by someone that was uh, uh one of our mutual friend i don't want to say name but he was asked because he was interested in the dynamic um, as a writer. Mm -hmm. And uh, we constellate uh, John Kennedy uh, assassination. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And it was amazing because um, the person that represented conspiracy, which actually was was in my group yesterday. Uh, she was standing on the highest chair was there, and she was saying, I overlook everything. I am the most important person here. And the thing is, is that 
we put Kennedy and Oswald, okay? Mm. And um, each one was at one part of the womb. This is where they went. And then they were slowly coming to each other and embracing each other. Oh. It was amazing. Wow. This was one of the really, I love cultural, societal uh, consolation. Uh, we did consolation on the purpose of Trump. We did consolation on the purpose of COVID. Oh, we did wow. consolation on all those kind of things. And you see mm. that there is a purpose each time. Every time there's a purpose. Every yeah. time there is a purpose, yeah. you see. And this is what is fascinating for me. I love this type of consolation. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, that's the, you know, that I, I have this theory that, and it's not a theory, I'm an idiot, so I'm just kind of bumping through ideas, you know, it's like that our largest liability is unresolved trauma, is yeah. that that we have these iterations that we are, and those iterations are are have have a energetic debt that needs to be paid. And it either gets paid or it gets paid partially or a little portion of it or a big portion of it. And every little iteration makes the system a little bit better. I think, and, and I, I'm going to probably butcher this, but I, I believe in Judaism. There's a, a, a theory or a concept that everything boils down to one person. And you might be the one point zero zero, like the zero 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 point one percent that needs to do the good, the right thing. Yeah. And that that has an effect on the trajectory of the universe, right? There's something, something that say if you save one person, you save the world. Yes. Yes, yeah, something like that, yeah. you know. And uh, which I do believe that the contribution, as minimum as it can be, yeah. is valuable. Absolutely. So it's why every time that you do this type of intervention, you get something done. Yeah. It's a contribution. Yeah. Because we all connected. It's it's a work of like micro movements that create, you know, the ship that moves the ship, you know, a quarter of a degree the other way and you're 200 years later in a completely different trajectory. Yeah. And and if you look at human history, you know, the the time of Christ or you know you know before Christ was atrocious and then it's the dark ages were, you know, a catastrophe and then it gets, you know, the 1900s and it gets and it gets a little bit better every time. Yeah. You know. And we know that, uh, I mean, they always say the flip of the wing of a butterfly here yeah. creates a, a tsunami, tsunami there, yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, so I, I do believe that we all have a part. We're not here by chance. And uh, we can take the opportunity or not or whatever it is. But um, you all, we all have purpose. We are born with a purpose. Yeah. And uh, when we are blessed enough to get a touch on that, we we can really um, make a difference and feel that difference for us. It's a, it's a give and take. It's yeah. exchange. It's, it's exchange. A systemic exchange, you know? Can, can you speak a little bit about that principle of exchange? I love that. I love the principle of exchange. Can you speak a little bit about that? It goes with in any domain, you know? Um, you give a little more, you take a little less, but um, you very um, conscious of not, I, I love, there is an exercise, I, I don't know where I learned it. You see, I work with so many different teachers, which is what I love. I mean, Ellinger, I worked twice with him. Once in Spain, mm -hmm. one in Mexico, you know. Um, I love um, 
you know, even Sophie um, Ellinger. A lot of people are not that great. I love her. I think she's great. I love different aspects of consolation, you know. And she is very tough and very perpetrator type of person, you know. <laughs> but I think that this is what makes and gives her strength, you know. But what happened with exchange is that the one that gives too much and the one that get too much, they enter in a relationship that is yeah. unhealthy. I mean, there is a beautiful exercise that I do sometimes when I see that there is a, um, an exchange issue, is that you take two people, you know, and, um, and you say, okay, so one is the recipient and one is the giver. And I say, get something in the room and give it to that person, okay? And they start by giving uh, uh, the telephone. And then, uh, and then I say something else. And they give the hat and something else. And they give the guitar. And the person starts to accumulate. And, <laughs> and they say, can I put it down? No, no, you got to keep it. And at one point, they say, I can't. Mm. Too much. Yeah. You see? And this is what it is. Too much of good or too much of bad. Yeah. But there is that so it has to stay balanced yeah. you can give a little more you can take a little less but it has to stay balanced and i i think at its core creating order is creating balance is creating harmony yes. is creating that you know it's like I, I did a podcast with rupert sheldrake's wife with uh, joe purse yeah and they talk about you know, how they do these chants, right? Mm -hmm. And harmonies. Mm -hmm. And it's it's almost like everybody plays their part. Yeah. Not one's louder than the other. Not one's quieter than the other. The beauty and the resonance comes from everybody participating, everybody doing mm -hmm. their part and creating something that is way more and speaks to a deep truth in who we are. Yeah. And it opens the, even opens the portal to the collective. Absolutely, because um, um, what it is is that we all connected, mm. we all each other's, okay? And when you, if I don't like you, is the me in you that I see that I don't like, okay? So I have to work on that part, you see? And if I love you, it's the me and you that I love that I see, okay? Yeah. So it's all about this interconnection and um, that start the movement. We're not stagnant because, you know, when you do those exercises, I did one yesterday where um, you create two lines and then you look at each other, you know? It's always a reflection and you see people that stay away or people that come too close. I mean, you know, and... What is important is to understand that boundaries are for self. Yes. They're not against somebody else. Yes. They are for self. Yeah. Because it's, uh, it's important that we keep our place. Yeah. And when you see a system that is completely uh, chaotic, if you put it in order in that universe where we live, which is ruled by love yeah. and order, then you can achieve anything. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's magic. Yeah, it's magic. It is. Yeah, that's, um, um, you know, uh, the, the concept of like with boundaries, you can bear weight. 
-hmm. and bear responsibility Mm -hmm. is such an interesting concept. It's like something that doesn't have, it's almost like a sandcastle. Mm -hmm. If you put something on top of a sandcastle, it's going to destroy itself. Right. And, and that, that, um, you know, people that take too much or take too little and they don't create this, these established boundaries of who they actually are. So they just kind of melt into the system. They don't, they can't bear weight or responsibility or the challenges that life just throw at us as, as normal course of business that you can, you can like, you know, um, are you familiar with Jordan Peterson? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Um, I think he, he gets a little bit more too much into the emotional entanglement with some of these things, like the perpetratorship of some of it, because he's dealing with some stuff, but people are more intense, (laughs) but it's okay. But, um, you know, he says something really, really interesting. He says like, um, um, you know, he says that the more um, the more boundaries you have, the more responsibility you can take over. Right? It's like uh, we're we're meaning and and life comes from our ability to 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 take on things, take on tasks. Yeah. And if we're like a mess, and we can, like you know, he one of the things that he talks about is like for men, especially. So like he talks a lot about men. It's like for men, is like what's a goal to strive for is to be the most composed person at your father's funeral or at your mother's funeral. It's like at the most difficult time in your life that you have enough emotional restraint restraint, and that you have boundaries and you're solid in who you are and that you can be a person that can be somebody to look at as, as bearing the grief and having an appropriate response to the grief and fully feeling the emotion, not being not feeling all the emotions, just being like, this is a person that I love that I lost mm-hmm. and, 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 and assuming that responsibility and, and bearing that, that weight and going through it right-sized. Being in charge. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. And not being way, like the wind, you know, being yeah. wherever the wind blows, you kind of like yeah. go with, with, that, with that responsibility. It's just, it's interesting to look at it from It's the difference between the trees and the branches. Yeah. Yeah. The tree got to stay solid. The branch can kind of, uh, yeah. Yeah, can move around. But, you know, like that dichotomy is like, but judgment is rigid as well. And opinion is, is fluid. So it's like, how do you kind of balance those two things? It's like, and there's some core things that I am rigid about. And there's sort of come things that I don't really, you know, I don't have an opinion one way or the other, you know? Mm-hmm. It pays to be and have the ability of tightrope, you know, like tightrope. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Tightrope yeah. walker, yeah, tight. Like, yeah, tightrope walker. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. To balance both of those dynamics. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Michelle, what do you think is kind of the the future or the next? What What do you think the the next iteration of this of this work looks like? Um, the way I uh, vision it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be what has started in countries like Mexico or even Brazil, where people are going to be so aware of the value of it that um, to be hired by a company, they're going to have to do consolation. Wow. Yeah. And it's happened already. 
It's, uh, and it's interesting because I was really, I mean, you know that I have a very large Brazilian community. Okay? Yeah. I, I love. Constellations are huge in Brazil. Yeah. 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 They use them. <laughs> I remember hearing that it was 3,000 facilitators like some 10 years ago. And I don't think it was 3,000 people in the United States that knew about Constellation. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it was yeah. like a joke, you know. Yeah. But I think that it's taking really um, uh, a big, big part of self-understanding mm. and automatically, especially for business, because, um, you know, and let's face it, every system is part of a larger system. Yes. But the system of origin, the one you are born in, is a permanent system. Correct. So, you know, you're born with it and you yeah. and when you die, it continue. Yeah. Uh, but all the people, the system that are more temporary, they will benefit from that. And and this was um, my experience in Mexico confirmed me so much in that intuition that I had, this mm. intuitive belief that it was going to be so valuable in uh, big business mm. and being in contact with those people from all over the world that were so incredibly impressed by it. I mean, it was, it was incredible. The um, response that I had from those people, and you know there is some tradition that are funny. I mean, people from India, there were some that were kissing my feet. I mean, I oh said, my gosh. please, please. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was amazing. They were following me everywhere, going out the bathroom, going out of the elevator. They, got, oh they wanted gosh. more. They, it, it, it was incredible. That, that's, um, you know, it's, it, it's the, the, the funny thing about this is that we all kind of know it. The Holy Spirit, the ghost in the machine, karma, we're all speaking about this in, in religious texts. You talk about, you know, the first story of Cain and Abel is the first story of the victim and the perpetrator. It goes down seven generations. It's so ingrained in our culture. and Yes, and yet what happened is that when they, it's why I love a constellation because it's uh, vivid. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, um, it's experiential. Yeah, it's, it's tactile. It's not just talking about, it's yeah. experiential. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they see the synchronicities. It was interesting because I was explaining a little bit of what consolation is, of course. And I say, you know, you, they, we cover up at the unit consciousness because it's too painful or it's too shameful. I mean, we don't talk about uh, somebody that lost uh, tragically a, a member, a grandmother that lost a child or whatever. And then we don't uh, invite Uncle Jim uh, at the Thanksgiving dinner because he's going to make a fool of himself. Yeah. He's a drunk, etc. And it's interesting because I never say the same name. You know, sometimes I say Uncle Jules or Uncle Charles or whatever comes to me. Yeah. This time I say Uncle Jim. And then I'm looking at, once I finish my little speech about consolation, I say, okay, we would like to experience it. Of course, and, and ways. And I go, you know, the field tells you. Yeah. So I take this woman, and she gets up, and she says, oh, 
I have an uncle Jim. Oh. And his name is Jim. Oh. Okay. And so you was... did a constellation at the Tony Robbins. Sure. Oh my God. I did several constellations. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I did take them on stage. I asked them, they said, not too many people. I said, no, but I, I did some representation on stage. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. I saw, I saw his, I'm not your guru. Yeah. And I'm like, this seems yeah. not like a constellation, but constellation adjacent. Yeah. He is yeah. tapping into the field. Oh, sure. He taps he's into. Very, he's very, very intuitive. Oh, he's, he's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, he's the best. He, okay. Yeah. And it's, and, and it's it, very impressive that he I, does that. I'm going to tell you something. Seven years ago, I remember, uh, and I remember because I saw memories on Facebook. Okay. Um, Mark Rowland was here. You probably was there too. It was, uh, we were in Adventura in some kind of house. We were having a workshop. And I mentioned to him that I was going to date with Destiny the following weekend. Yeah. And he said to me, I'd like to find out if he's aware about consolation, I say. And then I told, I told Mark, I say, I think he is because he really talks mm. about generation and yeah. everything else. And, and it's interesting because this time I... Um, I say, actually, he was not completely aware, but he knew. That's it. wild. He knew it yeah. um, because he's so connected. At the know? soul level, yeah. At the soul level, he knew it. Mm. <clears throat> and, um, and that was an opportunity to really bring it to that crowd of people that are the leaders of this world. Yeah. Because he deals with the leaders of the world, yeah. okay? Um, Ah. Oprah, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and even the people yeah, that go presidents, to the, yeah, and, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. So I think, and uh, I mean, uh, send me a beautiful message, and so I, uh, I feel that this was planting some seeds wow. for more. Yeah. So the the thing that I'm think that I'm realizing about constellation work is a is a uh, is a work of decades. You know, it's like, because they say, you know, it takes two years, like from six months to two years for the stuff to settle. It's like, but the more you, you accelerated that to such a high degree, because so many people were interested in, in the work, it's just, it's what an opportunity. And, and, um, what's really interesting is that like constellation work started like Mark's book, Goop. Right, because they did a podcast on Mark, and then they had the series on Goop with Cato Wittich on Netflix, and then they had another self, and then you doing this Tony Robbins thing, and you know, like you said on the way over here, there were there was a you know the of the group of big group of people, how many people had done constellations? Um, it was uh, six out of uh, three hundred and fifty, and three of them have been in your yes, living room. My living room, <laughs> <laughs> like. The, it, it, it blew my mind. It's just there's there's no coincidences with in this people world. from all over the world, China, yeah. you know, Australia. There's there's yeah. no coincidences that that your epicenter is yeah. part a huge part of this. I guess uh, you know we all have a different purpose, and uh, it's um, I, and my intention because mm. I do believe in intention. This is what I teach. This is what I coach people to really build up. Um, themselves like they built a house 
And, you know, meditation is one big element. Yeah. And uh, connection with whatever source, essence, whatever you call it, Mickey Mouse, I don't care. Um, the appreciation, because loving life, loving everything around and appreciating. Gratitude. Grat oh. Gratitude to say oh. thank you. Yeah. But appreciation, you don't even have to say thank yeah. you because yeah. it's there. Yeah. And uh, so it's really open. Man. And then once you raise your frequency to the frequency of love, really go with the intentions. Yeah. And intentions are powerful. Yeah. I will never say it enough. And I have a different way to do intention. I never call them affirmation because affirmation, uh, you have to believe it. Okay. If I had the firm, I'm going to be in Tony Roberts. I would not have believed it. So yeah. it was yeah. not. But if you do intention, I choose for this work to go to the next level. Mm. And I choose to be instrumental yeah. to bring it there. And I choose to be, you know, um, uh, in harmony with the universe that I can really bring this beautiful experience um, to anyone that I can encounter or whatever it is that you intend, okay? Especially when you have a passion and constellation for me, systemic work is a passion, then, you know, doors are opening. So can I run an idea by you? Sure. So I'm... So, um, for me, from a technical aspect, has always been, you know, like I've always said, like, you know, create the world that you want to be in, right? It's like that we have some magical properties to be able to create a world, right? It's like this world is like, I'm going to think my way to this, right? And, and what I think is that, and I'm, I'm not qualified to talk about this, right, in any capacity, but I'm just trying to tease out an idea, is that, you know, you know about quantum Quantum mechanics, right? Yeah. Is that every position is in a superposition. So it's all the possibilities kind of in one one possibility. And if we're in a place of that higher frequency, we're able to connect with the opportunities and see the opportunities that come present in every single day, right? And it's like this micro work that happens that if you're in a place that, place that um, in a negative place, you're never going to see the opportunities that present themselves in front of your face. Like you won't be in tune with the possibility, right? If you don't believe that the possibility exists, but if you're in a place where you see the opportunity and everything, the micro decisions that you make every day, all day will eventually take you to that reality that you created. But like at such a, it's such a like right here level, like to your mind, to your, to your current scenario that it's, it's, and that's how, how, what, what I su suspect is how the trick works is that you see a world of opportunities and not to see a world of blockages, right? Or, or of barriers, see a world of opportunities rather than a, a world of barriers, because you could have seen like, Oh, you know what? If I call so-and-so, maybe that person will get me in contact with, the and then it just like you, you go down that road and you suddenly are sitting at, you know, one of the most important stages in the world. Like, am, am I, Yes. Am I you crazy know, on that? Or um, my my philosophy is that the universe is smarter. Mm. The universe is more creative. The universe is extremely generous, much more than I can be. Yeah. So I rely on the universe to bring me the thing that I choose to see. Yeah. And sometimes there is things that I cannot see. 
but are a possibility of, uh, you know, look, everything is an idea because before it comes matter. Yeah. Okay? So the thing is, is that it's abstract, but it's ready to be concrete. It's just one step away. And that step, you know, every day I do intentions. Okay. And I say, I choose to be inspired and inspirational. I choose for my connection to be my best companion. Mm. I choose to drive my life with the universe as my co-pilot. I choose to see in the unseen. I choose to hear in the silence. I choose to read between the lines oh. what the universe has in store for me. Every day. That's huge. Wow. I think that's a good place to end it. All right. Can we do... Um, I'm going to... I have a meditation. And if you permit me, the last one, the last meditation, um, it's called Chaos in Order. And we'll close out with that. Might be a good way to do it. Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We'll do this and then we'll wrap up. Dear Chaos, I long for your call, seduction, profound feeling of connection, the vastness of potential, creation and destruction, pulling at each other like a child leaving the womb. I stand here in awe of your power, gazing into the precipice of wonder. Should I dare step into you? Will I survive? Will I still be me? Or do I dare find a better me, a more complete me? that is deeply connected to the power of you. scaffolding to reach into the unknown, for the base where I can root the core of me. With you by my side, I can dare to dream, have the courage to transcend, because I know I'm safe, I know that I'm loved, that I can always come home. love you. Thank you.
Michelle, thank you. Thank I love you. you. Thank you. I love you. Too. Thank you for everything. Yes. And um, I just want to say, recognizing the veterans today. Yeah. Recognizing you. Thank you. Recognizing my husband. Recognizing Charlie. Recognizing all the sacrifices before us. And uh, with just a note saying that in his early 90s, he was able to heal a PTSD that he was carrying oh. for so long. Wow. Just uh, thank you to uh, Constellation and, uh, and as he had started to have dementia, he was able to heal and not talk about anymore an incident that happened so long ago wow. that he was always talking about because it was so dramatic. Wow. He was able to heal it before he passed. What a gift. So it was a great gift. What a gift. Thank you. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs>